0: Hey, it's Anne-Marie, just popping in to say hello before we dive in to today's show. Let me just say, prepare to be wowed. In fact, one of our viewers who watched the show when we recorded it live told me he was bookmarking it to go back and watch it again because it was jam-packed full of information. In fact, he said to me, I would have loved you to go deeper into some of those topics. But as I mentioned to him, the show was already one and a half hours long, or almost one and a half hours long. It was like a masterclass, a workshop, a mindset transformation session, all in one interview. So grab a pen and paper, remove all of the distractions. In fact, you may just want to go and take a toilet break right now, put me on pause and come back so that you're not interrupted. Get ready to be blown away. By the way, if you want to go and watch the video version of this interview, go to bit.ly forward slash The It Factor Live, bit.ly forward slash The It Factor Live, so IT Factor Live, because today's show is all about charisma, The It Factor. I wonder, do you have The It Factor? What is The It Factor? Well, you're going to find out and so much more on today's show. By the way, if you haven't already gone and left a review over on Apple Podcasts, could you do that? I'd so appreciate it. I'd love to know what you thought of the show. And if if you have other changemakers, game changers, innovators, disruptors, and entrepreneurs that you know could benefit from the show, could you do me a favor and pass it on to them too? I'm sure that I would love to have a listen. To write a review, all you need to do is go to annemariecross.com forward slash review. Now on to today's show. Welcome to Industry Thought Leader Podcast. Stand out. Be heard. Influence. Want to influence real change with your message while become known as an authority in your field? Industry Thought Leader Podcast will show you how. Now over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of Industry Thought Leader Podcast brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard and influence. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, also known as the podcasting queen. The it factor. Do you have it? What does it mean to own your own presence and why is it even relevant to today's topic and and to our topic on the show, Industry Thought Leader? And today's guest is going to tell us all about that. She's going to unpack that and so much more. And joining me on today's show is Sally Anderson. Sally is at the forefront of sustainable human and organisational transformation. She has privately coached key influencers internationally, which includes CEOs, C-suite executives, teams, entrepreneurs, celebrities, politicians, millionaires, billionaires over the last 20 years. Now, of all the leadership service providers and leadership coaches in the marketplace globally, Sally's unique point of difference is that her education is a global first because it focuses on the sustainability element of personal and or professional transformation. Now, listen to what uh, Sally writes in one of her articles about the it factor. The it factor. It's one thing to know what it is. It's another to know how to access it and live it as a way of being. Those who own their presence have moved from the need for evidence and have accessed and lived true to their knowing, which is a big difference. Those who have it know it. Those who witness it know they have it. It is, however, elusive to the majority. So on today's show, we're going to discuss What is the it factor? What is it not? Nature versus nurture. Are we born with the it factor or is it nurtured or maybe a bit of both? As well as some tips and insights on what we need to start doing to cultivate the it factor so that you can begin to own your own presence. Welcome, Sally. Absolute privilege to be here. (laughs) Oh, and you too. This is uh, a topic that um, I wrote about just a couple of days ago, and you mentioned, you know what, here is an article that I have written, the it factor, you know, and i termed it charisma. And you know that there's some people that just walk into a room and they just own it. There's something about it. And, you know, I wonder, is that something that they're born with? Can we nurture it? So let's dive in to all of that good stuff. The it factor, how would you define what that is?
1: It's quite unquantifiable. Uh, It's an energy factor, Uh, especially from a networking standpoint. You walk into a room, there's a difference between knowing you're powerful and owning your presence. So I'd say the majority of people, especially if they're in leadership, which is where I dance, uh, they know that they're powerful. But there's a big difference networking a room, knowing that you're powerful, knowing that what you do is uh, good and that you're wanting to reach, um, obviously, more people with uh, your thought leadership. However, when you own who you are, it's almost like you'll beat a honey and you'll see them in the room. You know, they don't really, they're not really networking. People just kind of like resonate to them. And mm-hmm. I believe, you know, some of the elements are, I've kind of like narrowed it down to about 15 things. And obviously in our time today, um, we'd love to touch on some of those as yeah. to what's unique about what are some of the things that they do to be able to reach that level of what I call self-actualization. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's quite unquantifiable. You can't kind of like, it's not a linear construct. You know, it's kind of like you do X, Y, Z, and uh, that's kind of like the recipe. Uh, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody has a different um, life experience. And I think the life apprenticeship of your conditioning, your training, your background has a lot to do with when you can access it. Yes. And when you do or not, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, would you say that there are some people who do have the it factor that maybe don't realize just how powerful that 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 presence is,
1: uh, given that i uh I specialize in the human condition uh, <laughs> dealing with human to human psychosis, I think the base belief of most human beings is that i'm not good enough, I truly do believe that, uh, yeah, and I understand to have uh uh, awareness-based or distinction-based training in the schooling system. As much as we teach maths and science and all the rest of it, we don't equip um, uh, human beings when they leave the education system. We're still teaching the same thing, so we're not raising mm-hmm. consciousness. So does can anybody access it? You bet, because who you are in your human form is limited. Who you are in your co-creative form is limitless. So co-creative mm-hmm. leadership is where I specialize, and I want to touch on that today. Um, how do you tap into uh, your co-creative ability? It's a bit like I said, a CEO is not—they have a vacuum, but it's a good analogy. Um, have you ever tried to vacuum when you haven't plugged it and turned it on? It's a bit tricky. Um, mm. So there is an unquantifiable um, dimension that you can access. Um, so I'm unconsciously competent in the co-creative field. Um, mm. It's all too hard in the human form. Uh, so be- me being able to leverage my co-creative ability. Uh, has me be able to work with the caliber of people that I do and be able to elevate elevate their consciousness. Mm-hmm. So, in answer to your question, because I'm going to go off on tangents, um, mm-hmm. yes, I do believe that people uh, they may not have refined it. Uh, they may mm-hmm. other people may be able to see it, but they don't own it or see it themselves. Yes. And obviously, that's where coaching, mentoring, and um, people like ourselves come into the equation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah and I guess it's also on the other flip side of the coin is there are people who think that they have the it factor but actually <laughs> it's not <laughs> we won't probably well it may be it may be interesting to just to briefly touch on that because you know there may be things that people are doing that they think well this is really a way in which that I I can show my charisma and but in actual fact it's not doing anything to establish a relationship you know and mm-hmm. especially not supporting them and generating a, a you know say co-creating an outcome which we know is going to be you know viable for for everyone so let's talk about that first what is it not what are some people doing that they think you know this is this is important this is going to be influential but in actual fact it's not
1: where do you start Um, (laughs) evidence-based people are waiting for evidence to show up before they trust Mm. Trust trust-based people know that if they trust evidence will show up so the majority of people on the planet are evidence-based people and so ego has a lot to do with it. I do believe ego gets a bad rap. If you're going to be successful, if you are going to be in the limelight, if you're going to show up in your thought leadership, which is obviously what I would assume the majority of your people are in your audience who are wanting to be seen and heard and so forth, mm. um, it's exactly the same as public speaking. I've done 30 years in uh, working with some of the best uh, keynote mentors on the planet. If you get up on stage and you haven't done the work, the audience will smell it. Same mm. sort of thing in a networking group. You can uh, mask as much as you like. You can do the looking good version of uh, charisma, uh, but the you you'll always somebody will always find fault. Yes. So, same in leadership. You know, you can only go for a certain period of time before you're found out. Um, And I'd say that that's a high majority of people. Uh, They are doing all of the linear. Structural things to try and learn to um, portray a particular persona to the market uh, versus those who are truly integrated. And they don't have to try. <laughs> you know, they yeah, just don't have to yeah. try. They've just got it.
0: Yeah, yeah, fantastic. I love that uh, analogy of that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the screen because you wrote a brilliant article and uh, we'll certainly leave a link in the comments uh, once the show's finished so people can go in and, and watch, uh, read. Uh, and obviously dive in a little bit deeper into that. But this is uh, The It Factor. It's over on LinkedIn. But what I love about this article is that you dive deeper into the 15 elements to owning one's presence. So I reckon we should just dive on in. So whether you want to start at number one, uh, Sally, and kind of expand on on that, what that looks like. And you say here, understands energy, vibration, resonance, and uses that in the interaction through each breath. Share more about this.
1: <laughs> um, well, having been a course junkie for 30 years, uh, sometimes visualization, vision boards, affirmations and the like just don't cut it. And uh, again, a lot of the application piece, people do the affirmations, they do the vision boards, they do the structural aspect, But there's a difference between doing it and being. Uh, In the experience of it, Mm -hmm. meditation would be the same thing. Doing meditation, I've got to do my 20 minute meditation in the morning versus being in the experience of meditation. So, energy, vibration, um, from the minute we get up in the morning to the minute we go to bed, human beings, I'm just going to generalize, usually are in one of two states. They're either empowered or disempowered, they're impacted by external circumstance, and they live in the limitation of the human form, which is in the monkey mind, you know, head construct. Mm So, being able to be in tune with your energy, um, things like saging your house on a regular basis is not a linear practice, but it works. Yeah. Being able to, especially with people like ourselves who work with a lot of people, we need to take into consideration the amount of energy that can be taken on in the exchange. So, keeping your energy field. Um, clean. There's about 16 different layers of energy fields out from the physical body that's not visually seen. Some people Mm -hmm. can see it, depending on how in tune they are. So there's far too much uh, focus on the structural evidence base versus there's so much magic and miracles in the unknown. Mm. Uh, And if uh, your listeners are uh, um, conversant with uh, Joseph Campbell, uh, the 12 steps of transformation uh, which I, I probably cycled the hero's journey a thousand times, mm-hmm. um, there are various stages of evolution. And uh, those who are given our topic today got the it factor, got the charisma going on. They've done the work and mm-hmm. they are aware that their energy, their vibration, their resonance needs to be in alignment with what it is that they wish to attract um, yeah. with hot keys into, you know, morning practices. If you study any successful person on the planet, Uh, which has achieved, you know, high level of the it factor and charisma and all the rest of it, given what they've achieved in this life. Morning Mm -hmm. practices are the number one thing. Like what's the number one thing that every single successful person does who's achieved any level of greatness in the world? They apply their morning practices. So I'm Mm -hmm. going for a walk after this podcast, hence the reason I'm dressed like this. (laughs) So, you know, religiously, you know, Fitness, mm. uh, food regime, meditation, uh, gratitude journal, um, various different practices mm. people can apply. But that has you be in tune with the being the state versus the doing the state. Uh, it's like petrol in the car. If you don't put petrol in the car, you ain't going to go anywhere. You're not going to reach the destination at the speed with which you want to go. Mm. So energy vibration uh, is part and parcel for those that are aware. They work it. They work, uh, mm. especially work it with reference to when I'm networking, be that virtual or in person, Uh, I read the energy in the room. I'm a coach intuitive. So uh, I'm a dangerous woman to talk to. So language is my vehicle. I listen to the language. The language tells me where I need to go. So I'm uh, intuition, which is something else we'll touch on today. Intuition, uh, you need to, as a sensory aspect, be in tune with uh, reading the signs. And as far as vibration, resonance and energy is concerned, if you're operating at a low, then you're going to attract that. You know How many how many books do we need to read that say, be careful what you think, you thought's great reality? Well, they do. And mm-hmm. your external circumstances are a function of where you're operating. That ain't, yeah. that ain't you, but it's not something that people are highly trained in.
0: Yeah, Pat uh, is here and uh, uh, Pat was obviously here because she knows you and uh, she says, great hearing all of this again. I came through all of this with Sally's support. Her listening of me was greater than my own. So, yeah, Sally, as we know, she uh, walks her talk and uh, talks her walk. That's important, isn't it? So uh, I love that. You know, speaking of energy too and being able to read a room, I think also as as leaders and, and even CEOs of our business, we have to be able to monitor our own energy too. I know that if I've been in, uh, and maybe this is a little bit off topic, but I know that if I've been in the, the presence of a number of people networking or doing a lot of podcasts, I need to, as an introvert, an extroverted introvert, I need to separate and just fill my tank up. So I know that there's certain that's going to, it's going to impact what I say yes to, what I say no to, how I really manage my time. Because if I've only yeah. got a certain amount of energy in my tank if it's gone it's gone otherwise i'm just not going to be able to put two words together words will be hard for me and that's really also being aware of of uh, your own strengths and and all of that
1: too i would imagine yes so commitment equals results Mm -hmm. uh results are being produced as a function of your commitment and so uh in a lot of cases uh especially in the leadership realm uh there is a huge addiction to either dissatisfaction or stress overwhelm um pressure it's hard it's an yeah. addiction it's an addiction mm-hmm. um, the biggest distinction on the planet is choice you got a choice in how you feel a choice in how you respond a choice in how you act you got a choice and uh working with leaders to get them into alignment if anybody's seen the movie finding nemo uh, all the turtles are all over the place and then they get into the slipstream training mm-hmm. leaders on how to get into the vortex how to get into the slipstream is all to do with alignment. And if you're not in alignment with yourself, with reference to, and yes, we're going to talk about faith today, people, um, whatever that is for you, higher power, universal force, collective consciousness, God, um, you have the ability, moment by moment by moment, it's free, you can tap into it at any time to be able to leverage, it's, it's, like, it's like the fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of uh, leaders do not have boundaries in place, uh, and or they're waiting for external circumstances to shift before they take responsibility for shifting their own state. Yes. Um, so,
0: and sometimes uh, that can be illness, can't it? If you're not going to take control and and create, you know, an environment where your body's able to to be fueled and and to rest, your body will go. You know what? If you're not going to do that. I'll just make you sick, and you've got no choice.
1: <laughs> you get the tap on the shoulder, you ignore it. The four by two at the back of the head, you ignore it. Not, exactly. Uh, exactly. learnt most uh, of with the Mack truck.
0: Yeah, exactly. Just Pat mentioned this. uh, uh, So many people with gut disturbances don't have access to their gut and intuition. Isn't that interesting? Mm. There's a lot more of science that is proving just how much of our gut has impact, um, you know, even, yeah. So, uh, yeah, love that. Love that comment. Thank you for for sharing that, um, Pat. Let's talk about the next point here. Let me share it on the screen here. Number two, lives at a high degree of awareness. integrally understands human behaviour of self and others. My goodness, this is a doozy for for some, aren't they? They might understand their own but not others and they're not able to adapt and share a bit more about this, Sally. Mm.
1: So I spent a lot of years studying ontology, the study of what it is to be human, and in the ontological realm they talk about distinction-based training, Mm. kind of like uh, when you see a car, you see that make a model everywhere, you never saw it before and then all of a sudden Mm. you see it everywhere. So when you distinguish something and then with immediacy, you actually see it from a different um, perspective. Awareness-based training, which is where I dance, a bit of a dance between the two, but awareness-based training is the ability to be able to facilitate a conversation in a uh, very short um, fashion to be able to highlight for an individual what's actually going on. So language is my vehicle. I specialize in what I term the default blueprint, the default disempowered identity. Moment by moment by moment, uh, human beings are in one of two states. You're either in an empowered state one minute or a disempowered state the next, and we tend to oscillate between the two. How mm-hmm. I differentiate with what with what I do, uh, counselling and psychotherapy will psychoanalyse the default, whereas I will disappear the default. It's literally a death to that old level of identity. Um, so it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I really want to work with you. I want to die to my identity as an It's <laughs> kind of like, well, yeah, you know, you know somebody who's overweight, Going back to that comment I made before about uh, commitment equals results, somebody who has tried to lose weight for two, five or 10 years and says that they're committed to losing weight lives in a world of, um, I don't like this, I hate this. Somebody who's been trying to transform their uh, finances for two, five or 10 years and they don't like it, they hate it, saying that they're really committed. When I got the distinction commitment equals results, uh, it changed my life because I, I would have viewed myself as one of the most committed people on the planet. But uh, at that time, I was not producing mm. the results that I wanted. So from mm. a languaging standpoint, language creates the reality of your world. If you want the reality of your world to change, change your language that comes with awareness, you yeah? mm. So uh, training people to do a bit of reverse psychology. If the results haven't been produced in the area that you say you're committed, you ain't committed. And you actually love the dysfunction. You love being fat. You love mm-hmm. your uh, finances being screwed because that confirms your default identity about yourself. Now, having a breakthrough, don't go anywhere with that. Like, who wants to own that they're a victim? Who wants to own that Mm. they're not committed? Not really. But you can't transform something that you're unwilling to own. Mm. Don't go and make it mean anything. It's just what you've been doing from the default, which is usually a safety mechanism. Once you are aware that you can actually take your power back, so that's the biggest thing uh, that I teach is around mm. when you can understand it, you can take your power back because the other addiction human beings love is confusion. How convenient you're confused, you don't have to take responsibility. I get it intellectually, but how convenient. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 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 So reverse yeah. psychology is big with reference to let's have a reality check on what's really going on. And the reason why you can't have the breakthrough, because we are professional saboteurs as human beings. I've got Mm -hmm. the doctorate in self-sabotage, doctorate in rescue martyr. I've got a doctorate in every dysfunctional, so I speak from a lot of experience Um, and understand understand it, you know. So being able Mm -hmm. to provide that breakthrough for people through awareness-based training is part of my passion.
0: Yeah. And I think that's important as we're discussing, you know, that aspect of the it factor, owning one's own presence, because as you say, if, if this particular point, understanding human behaviour of yourself and others, when you're able to understand but also adapt and you, you can influence more and, and by saying, yeah, I know that person is this and this, but, you know, that this is just me. I'm just like, I'm just an arrogant, you know, so and so. It's not going to help you build those relationships and it's certainly not going to help you really uh, hone and, and, and show up and own your presence, have that it factor. Let's talk about number three, lives true to their conviction, their values and their standards, knowing how to access the zone at will. Mm. Let's talk about this one.
1: So it's one of my biggest bugbears, really is, um, you know, I see a lot of coaches having worked with many coaches over the years No disrespect to anybody in the coaching profession. But, uh, again, taking somebody through um, a values process is one thing. Um, Identifying what your values are. It happens a lot in organisations, given my backgrounds in cultural, belief behavioural, cultural change at a large Mm -hmm. level. What is the point of having the vision statement and the mission on the walls with these beautiful-looking values if they're not walked within the culture? Same thing with an individual. A lot of people may or may not be clear on what their values are, but it's very, very different to walk your values And that, again, is an opportunity to reinvent. Example would be integrity. I want to say that one of my values is integrity. Do you have any concept of what it takes to live an integrous life 24-7, not Mm. just when it suits? That's a very different way of being if you're walking your values versus just talking your values. Mm. Um, So, again, back to alignment. If you're not in alignment with your spoken word, we seem to be our word to everybody else but ourselves. Uh, That's to do with self-worth. Uh, If we're preoccupied with how people, you know, if we're preoccupied with um, not feeling good enough because we haven't done the work or we're preoccupied with what others think, they're going to think it anyway. So, you know, especially in leadership, you know, you're going to be judged, assessed and criticised. It comes with the territory. All of those aspects externally have an impact on how we show up in the world. So you need to be so strong in your conviction uh, about who you are. And again, that can't happen. That's one of the points in here. That can't happen unless you've done the work. Yes. Um, Definitely. And yeah.
0: And, you know, what you just shared there about um, understanding your values and living them out, I think as a leader, and especially we're talking about, you know, the it factor and owning your presence, if you say one thing yet you react and you, your your behaviour says something completely opposite, that is one of the, yeah, for your team, just for everyone because there's just this, yeah, disconnect there, isn't it? And you really are not doing yourselves any favours.
1: Mm. And there's no cleanup, right? Just because you're the yeah. leader doesn't make you devoid of, um, you know, being complete, as I'd put it, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the, yet another article I wrote, um, I said, you know, to CEOs who are predominantly target, I go, have you actually interviewed all of your executive team about what's been going on around COVID? You know, there's a lot of communication people are now working from home and there's a lot of changes going on. Have you interviewed them to understand? Um, I gave them an example of all the sorts of questions that they could ask, but that mm. it was two-way. How are you coping versus just the persona? Um, mm. If you were to give me feedback on how I've dealt with the communication within the organisation, it's kind of like the two-way understanding. And where could I improve? You know, putting you know as a as a leader, it's, it's so important to ensure that you always stay the student. And the more that you elicit responses from your people, um, as so that they're more uh, Co creative, more collaborative versus hierarchical.
0: Mm, yeah, brilliant. And I would imagine that sometimes people don't want to ask, the leaders don't want to ask for that feedback because if they get feedback that could, constructive feedback, which could ensure that they're continuously evolving, means
1: work, doesn't
0: it? And if oh, yeah. you don't ask, then oh, yeah. I won't have to do any work. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, I get oft, often asked, you know, CEOs say, Sally, when, you, when you've come to see me about my company, why are you talking to me about my childhood? I go, here's the deal. I didn't design it. You know, yeah. I didn't design the human psyche, but everything stems from childhood, regardless of whether your childhood was good or bad. Mm. I'm not interested in dragging up your childhood or psychoanalyzing it. However, I'm wanting you to integrally understand your unique default identity and the impact that that mm. has on your ability to communicate, on your ability to be able to be effective in your leadership ability. Yes. Um, so a lot of leaders don't want to look at themselves. That's a fact. No,
0: and it's like Sally. I hired you hey, to camera. help my team. What are you? Yeah. What are you doing hey. in here with me? It's like the dog owner that gets the behavior of you know the for their dog, and they end up doing a lot of coaching with the owner. So team. true. So true. But I mean, once we once we appreciate that, um, we can see the onflow to the team because you know top down. Why are the team? We expect the team to change uh, and do if we're not able to do that as All right, number four, let's dive into this. Has cultivated an intimate relationship with their faith? Here's this faith topic. Whatever that is for them, knowing that they are but the conduit for the message. Would you say that this is an area that many people have not really ever considered before? So quite an eye-opener for them, Sally.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason why I call what I do co-creative leadership is about the only word that I can get away with in corporate to actually have a conversation about faith. Mm. Um, and look, I have coached everybody from every religious sect, every spiritual sect, atheists, like the the different ends of the spectrum. Um, We were born intuitive, we were born connected and we were born fearless, that was our birthright. And we were born into the unknown. And then, uh, it's proven from the ages of three to five, five to 12, 12 to 21. So there's certain incidences where we decide something and we separate that then formed our worldview. So, uh, the, from perspective of faith, who you are in your human form is limited. Who you are in your co-creative form is limitless. Being able to tap into that unquantifiable, regardless of what you call it. If you're religious, mm-hmm. I re- I respect that. If you're spiritual, I respect that. If you want to call it the zone or the slipstream or vortex, I respect that mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. All I'm all I'm committed to is that people leverage it 24/7. So I'm unconsciously competent, self-actualized, and the ability to tap into it 24/7 mm-hmm. uh, and teach people on how to not just have moments of being in the zone but how do you live in the zone all the time so that's definitely what I've proven so for the golfers out there that one golfing shot where just everything comes into alignment man that feeling is just awesome the surfers in the audience you know being at one with the surf uh, the skiers you know when you're at one with the mountain that that oneness of being is what I'm talking about now most people understand and have moments of being in the zone Mm. part of what I teach people is how do you live there Uh, most people don't believe that's possible. So obviously transforming their belief, that's where the evidence comes in. So Sally, you know, I need some evidence to believe that this could possibly be possible, you know, because, you know, you can talk about peak performance and all that sort of thing. But, you know, how do you fundamentally leverage your faith? In the context of our topic today, with reference to the it factor or charisma and that unquantifiable aspect, I believe, it's only my viewpoint, that those that have that, or not only those that have it, but those that are able to sustain it, have an intimate relationship with their faith, intimacy, in to me you see, Mm. that you have integrated, uh, that you've gone to work on all the areas of your life where you are out of alignment and you're in alignment. Now, when you're in alignment, that's when you can truly experience that oneness of being, Mm. Uh, being able to uh, partner people to find evidence for that. What do you mean, Sally? You want me to talk into the unknown, into the ether? This feels a bit weird. Um, Just because it feels weird doesn't mean that um, Mm. (laughs) – many proven philosophies around the world, bringing people back to the magic and the miracles of trusting the unknown regardless. Of what, but you use the word faith in certain environments and they will immediately shut it down due to their conditioning. Yeah. So I would like to see two things uh, from an executive or leadership standpoint, given that we don't teach it in the schooling system. If we don't raise the current level of consciousness within our schooling system because we don't teach it, we teach the same thing, then we will not evolve in our ability to be able to deal with things as this world expands. So I talk about a thing called culturalization, I've written about it mm-hmm. in both of my books. Having lived a life of adversity myself, extreme adversity, uh, the only way the human uh, dynamic evolves is through experiencing some level of adversity. COVID-19 is a good example, there's a fear pandemic going on over and above a viral pandemic and it's global. Um, you know, the acts of God, um, so tsunamis, earthquakes. Um, fires,
0: things like fires, that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like en masse, raising the consciousness on the planet. You didn't go there willingly. You're being forced to. And so if you weren't willing to grow, learn, and evolve before, you're now being forced to access this domain of uncertainty. Mm. Uh, uncertainty for most people is a very scary place. And that really saddens me because uncertainty as a child is – um, man, you know, you put a five-year-old on skis, and they've never done it before, mm-hmm. they, they ain't got nothing going on there, their girlfriend you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we've lost the magic and the miracles and the enjoyment and the wonderment of uh, this whole thing. I, don't, I, I actually live in uncertainty. As a yeah. change agent, I live in the shoes of being confronted, resistant, and uncomfortable all the time and mm-hmm. train other change agents on how to go looking to be confronted, resistant, and uncomfortable and actually transform your relationship with those three domains because those are the three domains where people get off the court which is why they don't experience the transformation. And you gotta, gotta, gotta fall in love with, can we get me on a roll here now, girlfriend? Um, you gotta fall in love with resistance you
0: know yeah and you know what you're saying there and I think well, I was just having a conversation I've had a few today so I can't remember who or what context it was but we were talking about actually it was one of my clients who really is is um building her brand you know about overcoming adversity building that resilience muscle you know the couragepreneur and we were talking about how sometimes as parents what we want to do is protect our children yeah. from failure from hurting heartache and all of that you know and you see it in kids and in, in competition and sports well there's no such thing now as winners and losers but you know if you teach them that hey you got in the game you did your best fantastic you may not have won this time but you're teaching them aren't you and through those experiences because all of a sudden when you get out into the big wide world if you haven't had to it's like going to the gym you can't lift 240 k's off you know, first start. So you have to build that muscle. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, especially as leaders, we need to be able to not only um, react and respond, but look forward to because I tell you what, sometimes out of the most difficult challenges can come the most incredible gifts, because they're opportunities that you would never have even thought about, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Well, um,
1: stick there's those that have achieved the level of it factor and charisma and they know how to work it and they know how Mm -hmm. to leverage it. Um, And I believe that those people have an integrated relationship with their faith, whatever that is for them. To me, Mm -hmm. faith is about trusting the unknown as much as you trust the known. That's it. I don't need to complicate it. I'm not not attached to what you call it. But if you were to trust the unknown as much as the known, watch out. Yes, yes. Because a
0: lot of times, as you said, people will avoid it and there's so much energy in avoiding it. Why not embrace it and then say, hey, I wonder what's coming on the other side? And if it is something that you didn't quite expect, well, imagine all of the learnings. I think a lot of the insights that I'm now teaching now are on the back of all of the mistakes that I made. But I tell you what, they are the core foundations because I know not what to do and now that's led me to now knowing what what I can do. And Pat's just had a, a great comment here. I, ha- I had it that I was not good enough, I'm bad and I'm terrified. Not exactly the language to be using if I want to call myself a joyologist, but big distinction back in 2005. But this goes back to what you were saying earlier. Thanks, Pat, um, to that if as leaders, if we're not mindful about what we're telling ourselves, that's certainly not going to allow you to, to own your presence and and really kind of um, step in into that that so here's number five let's dive into this one loves people humanity and wants to see the world to be a better place wishes to connect at soul level intimately connected with all that is how are we measuring up to this one sally
1: (laughs) i often say to people you know if you don't love people get the hell out of our industry Mm. and you know again who you are in your human form is so limited um and being able to tap into that unknown dimension is so critical Mm -hmm. um so no i've just lost my thread can you just remind me what our topic was
0: yeah it was talking about you know you're having to to love people and it's uh, humanity and wants to see the world a better place
1: yeah so legacy comes into that um Mm -hmm. legacy to me is one of the most profound conversations you can facilitate with a human being on the planet what are you doing here what is your dna calling you to be in the world Mm -hmm. uh love the work that you do you know with reference to um being able to uh, partner people and having their voice be heard uh, to a wider audience, mm-hmm. having their thought leadership be able to make that profound difference. And uh, in the context of legacy, um, what is your true north? Um, what is your purpose for being here? We all have different fingerprints, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all unique. Uh, there is something here, and it may just be that you want to be the best mum on the planet in your way, in your, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this lofty, worldly perspective. But as far as charisma, it factor, the topic that we're talking about today and where does this come in, when you know what you're doing on the planet and when you have surrendered to your calling, as I would term it, bringing people home to their calling, how who they become is very, very different because mm. to surrender to your calling, and some of us don't come willingly, some of us are forced, and I was one of them, how you administer yourself obviously is very different because it then removes self, having to focus on you and how you feel and but to being more worldly with reference to um, looking at the aspect of how, what difference you can make in the world. So there's a lot of focus okay. on intellect. There's a lot of focus on emotional intelligence. There's a lot mm-hmm. of focus on uh, even SQ, uh, spir- spiritual intelligence, very little. Mm-hmm. But there's two levels of intelligence that go beyond that, and that's holistic intelligence and alchemical intelligence. So most of the planet Mm -hmm. operate in what I term one to three dimensional thinking, which is in the realm of meaning, which is where uh, meaning making machines, which is all of where human suffering lies. Uh, All of human suffering is a function of what we make things mean. If you don't want to suffer, stop making things mean stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we predominantly operate at that level, disconnected, versus elevating yourself to fourth, fifth dimension. Now, those that are integrated with their faith and have an integra- intimate relationship with their faith, those that are clear on their true north, what their legacy is, what their calling is, those people are operating in the fourth, fifth and beyond realm. Mm. Um, now, this might sound all, um, you know, all nice language, but it's like, how do I tap into that? How do I access yeah. that? Um, and usually it can't be done solely, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done 30 years of training with some of the best healers on the planet. I've been, a course, junkie for 30 years. Now, obviously, my, my experience was different and the reason why I did that, why I was driven to do that, to have me be doing what I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. But you and I both facilitate conversations with people about getting very clear and congruent with their message so that their message can actually meet the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so legacy to me is integral to somebody who uh, has love as their core value
0: yeah and it's bigger than themselves isn't it yeah yeah it's bigger than themselves and it's bigger than what they see because and when you involve other people but you've got an awareness of others as well and you you know you yeah I, I understand what you're saying it, it, it it's it's huge it really is huge uh, and exciting and exciting it's kind of like why wouldn't we do it this we want to do it this way I love this one too shows up consistently authentically possess a strong character. And you're not talking about a strong character that, you know, um, that dominates other people and everything. Sometimes the strength can just be allowing others to shine, you know, but speak a bit more about this.
1: Consistency has a lot to do with sustainability, which is where I specialise. And because people aren't aware that they have this thing called a default identity or a default blueprint, about seven different layers unique to each individual mm. um, they struggle to be able to be consistent with experiencing change so they might experience transformation at a level um, but it's never at the level that they'd really like
0: it's a mm. general education.
1: and or they don't know how to sustain it hence it can't it's not being experienced consistently yeah The reason for that, because I like to provide simplicity to complexity, is that if you're not aware of the default dynamic, which is unique to every single human being, Mm. um, then it is very difficult to be able to be consistent and or sustain the change, which is why, having been an addict on every level, um, I understand a lot about addiction uh, and mm-hmm. why people don't have breakthroughs with the addiction that they experience because that has a, that's part and parcel of the identity that they've created. Mm-hmm. And the identity that they've created is a lot to do with safety. It's very, very dysfunctional, mm-hmm. but it has to do with safety. So there's a lot to the human condition.
0: Yeah, We're interesting, complex beings. Ooh. Sometimes, you know, the complexities we would rather not have. But that makes so much sense, I think, too, because if if someone has, you know, one of the things that I will often say, there are certain circumstances, and, and sh- share your languaging around this too, Sally, that we need to deal with it, and we need to heal from it. And until we really heal from it, that's going to be a trigger. And as you say, you're going to be there from that default position. And it's almost like when people go, go to these courses and they go well I'm going to put affirmations and I'm going to say I am happy today yeah you could be absolutely miserable but it feels exhausted because hang on a minute I'm supposed to be happy and and we're just not able to sustain that are we
1: (laughs) all righty now we're going um so positivity and negativity uh if people haven't noticed doesn't really cut it you know trying to be positive you know when something something's going on yeah. And uh, healing is an interesting dynamic. You know, um, mm. I led retreats, uh, three day retreats for every month, for 10 months of the year, for 10 years. So I got to see a cross section of uh, dysfunction and a cross section of the human psyche from all different walks of life. Mm. And the thing that I found interesting, even if you'd done the work, you know, you've done the courses, you've read the books, you've done the CDs, and sorry, MP3 files, or whatever they are now. Mm. Um, You've done the work, but still you haven't achieved the level of transformation you've wanted, nor you have you known how to sustain it. Again, it always defaults, which is why it's called the default, it always goes back to that default mechanism. Mm-hmm. So healing, you know, can you imagine what it's like for me in the executive world of um, talking about faith and healing, which I do a lot, yeah. um, because we need to evolve the consciousness of those who lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that thing that I spoke about before about culturalization. until we change the way the education system operates, um, the only way that we learn is through adversity, which is really mm. sad. Mm. Um, what would it be like if we actually were proactive? I'm, one of my passions is having mastery of the inner critic in the schooling system. I can mm. have a you know, nine-year-old um, who's got a heinous inner critic and a 49-year-old client who's had 40 years of self mm. Um, Talking about the inner critic at executive level is not a done thing until they, <laughs> Sally Anderson comes along. Mm. Um, because that mechanism is that there in itself, as far as the it factor or charisma. Um, I teach people how to master their inner critic so they no longer hear it. If we can achieve Mm -hmm. what we can achieve as human beings with that running and we don't talk about it, what on earth could we achieve if we had it in the schooling system and uh, that wasn't part of the human psyche anymore. It would change yeah. the way the human psyche. Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. 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 I use my inner critic often now. And you sometimes, you know, I've said you'd make it a friend because, again, you're talking about keeping you safe. And so your inner critic may say something because it stops you from then doing something. And then I'll just go, well, thank you. that, And then you kind of reason and then all of a sudden you go, Meh, because you're kind of, yep, that, that is like the inner critic. And then, okay, well, what's the lesson? What can I do before that rather than getting stuck in? into that but it's incredible that they don't teach that kind of thing in school that's what you're talking about change the education system where you're bringing that kind of content um, or information to to younger people is that what you're
1: talking about when you say changing the the mm. education system so to be human is to have an inner critic uh nobody talks yeah. about it yet it annihilates human potential mm. so it fascinates me that there is not enough dialogue about the inner critic uh, like maths or science or, yeah, because mm-hmm. it is so destructive. Having worked with elite athletes and uh, peak performance um, uh, senior leaders and ironically they actually have very powerful inner critics and they've trained themselves to actually use their inner critic to a positive perspective. Now mm-hmm. where I come in is that, you know, acknowledgement for that, great, but have you ever thought about instead of having to manage it, coordinate yourself around it, what would it be like if you never heard that voice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And because it is such a complex dynamic, I love bringing simplicity to complexity, the processes that I use and have developed bring, you know, Lightning fast breakthroughs was something that has been annihilating people's identity. There's no way that you can own who you are and own your presence if you've got a heinous inner critic beating the oh, crap
0: That's it. right. You'd be exhausted, wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> you, to try and and uh, speak louder that that inner critic? And if you've had you know decades of mm. uh, that inner critic on your shoulder, that you can see why that could certainly be an issue. Yep. Amazing. So let's talk about uh, seven. Has a clear intention of who they are and what they know and this talks a little bit into what we were talking about earlier about the inner inner critic and um what's that syndrome they call the imposter syndrome you know all of those kind of things speak a bit more about this one
1: I really learned this when I was um years and years and years of keynote speaking um because you know in the first milliseconds of you standing on stage uh people will have an opinion of you Mm -hmm. if you're not clear on your intention on what it is that you're wanting to deliver. Uh, I used to say, I'm not here to motivate you. I'm not here to inspire you. Mm. Uh, So I'd always start out with, there's three clear intentions. I always work in threes. Uh, Three clear intentions on what I would like you to experience today. So I would put that up front. I'd then um, explain it throughout the keynote. And then I would end with um, uh, reaffirming that. So in the context of this being one of the things that you could consider with reference to uh, learning how to own your presence more, Mm. being clear on what is your intention when you walk into an executive meeting? What is your intention when you go Mm. to an interview? What is your intention when you go out there in the world in a given day? So my intention is, uh, so I train people to be a 10. Zero is the worst, Mm. 10 is the best. How do you train yourself to be a 10 all the time? I actually had somebody Mm. today say, do you show up like this all the time? <laughs> I go, yep. But, uh, uh, I also understand hell on earth. So, you know, I've also lived at the opposite mm. extremity to be able to teach this. Uh, and my husband has to live with me being a 10 all the time. Um, but training people to be a 10, you know, because it's about resonance, it's about energy. Mm. If you're hanging out at a five, then you're going to attract five experiences. Now, the only mm. reason why I, I move so fast and I'm, I'm constantly competent in that field is because i know that what i'm thinking is creating my reality mm. there are so many so many personal development books that that teach that but it's all very well to know that but are you applying it moment yes. by moment by moment?
0: you have if to people, live it don't you yeah.
1: if yeah. people ask me, you mean to say that i need to monitor my thoughts on an every single moment of every single day i go yep and they go oh yeah. that sounds pretty hard and i'm going oh here's the deal you're not present to the cost of your stinking thinking yeah mm. <clears throat> So being able to train people to be very clear on their intention. My intention is to be loved 24-7, to walk mm-hmm. my values, to show up as as my best every day, regardless mm-hmm. of circumstances. So equanimity is my favorite word. A uh, mm-hmm. quantum leadership, that ability to train yourself to the level where you're just the constant observer of what is, not how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. That there in itself is nirvana.
0: Yeah, and you know, as you're t- you're sharing that, if someone says, "You mean I have to do that?" It's like creating a new habit or learning a new sport. You've got to get out there. If you're learning how to play tennis, you've got to get out there and start serving. And there's going to be misses, but then eventually, as you keep you know doing that consistently, before you know it, you're picking up that ball and you're smashing it across the other side till it's you. You say you're unconsciously competent. Um, but driving a car, there has to be a process that you're learning and, you know, you've got to ask yourself, is that worth it, you know, and heck yes, you know, for people that I hope that you've said that. If you're listening or watching this, it would be a heck yes. (laughs) Otherwise, don't stop listening to the show. (laughs) This is not your show.
1: Um, It's true. The analogy of when you are um, learning to drive a car, everybody kind of like understands that analogy, right? It's not actually an analogy, it's actually the truth, right? It was clunky at the start, you know, but it didn't stop you persevering to want to, you know, eventually Mm. you get, now now, you don't even think about it. So going from unconscious incompetency to unconscious competency can be the same with reference to I'm unconsciously competent in my ability to be able to move from just knowing I'm powerful to actually owning my presence. Mm. You know, very, very different.
0: Yeah, so true, so true. Love this conversation. Love this. Uh number 8, it is or is inspiring and has a track record of inspiring others in a way of being in their lives and pays forward their knowledge and wisdom. This is a type of leader we all love to hang out with and work for, isn't it? And I'm sure we have many that we can think of and many who are not like that. But let's speak a bit more about this one, Sally.
1: Um so the three core aspects of my brand are Ignite, Evolve, Liberate. Um, mm. Igniting people to get a heartbeat again. It's almost like, like being a co-creative defibrillator. You know, there's somebody in there. You know, <laughs> you I'm coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, Ignite to, you know, Ignite you to kind of like get excited again, you know. Mm. Stop waiting for the circumstances to shift. You're the access point for that. So Ignite, Evolve. Evolve people to a new level of consciousness, you know, so that their worldview becomes very, very different. Mm. Um, so Ignite, Evolve, Liberate. Once you've liberated yourself, then you have a responsibility to pay forward and liberate others. Mm-hmm. So I, for example, for 30 years, I don't think there's a day in business where I haven't um, paid forward um, and referred. I'm a connector. Mm-hmm. I do that like breathing. Um, you need to talk so-and-so. You need to talk so-and-so. I, I thought that just everybody did that. And I think yeah, if everybody wow. didn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. there's no competitors. I don't believe in competition. I believe in cooperation. Mm-hmm. Uh, with people to cooperate with. And that even in politics, believe it or not, not even yet on that subject today. However, um, if there was more collaboration going on, uh, collaboration is more uh, the ability to work in this realm. Co-creation is more when I use the terminology is more in move behind in this realm. Mm. Um, so, when you are able to have that uh, abundance consciousness, that uh, mm. live from gratitude. Um, which also is a morning practice, you know, the, the the speed with which things can shift in somebody's life when they start living from gratitude is extraordinary. Mm. And I believe that by you showing up, feeling more grateful, coming from that abundance mindset, you're able to pay forward and make a difference for others. Um, once you've transitioned through your the, your own work, getting clear on who you are, getting into alignment with that, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm. And my only way of being able to understand that is that we're all here learning different contracts. I'm not here to uh, philosophize about my philosophy today. However, in my observation, having worked with the human psyche for the length of time that I have, the only way that I can explain why some people go through some things and others not is a function of that we're all here learning different lessons. Mm. And what also fascinates me is that those that have experienced any level of trauma, whatever's uh, relative for them, Mm that uh, this fascinated me in um, over ten years of running these retreats people who had experience next to nothing were more mm. dysfunctional than those that were warranted to um, warranted to mm-hmm. and so it 's never, never about the happening it 's what you do with the happening which yes. again is, you know anybody who's had life experiences they become the mentor they become their mm-hmm. vision they are they are always in service of others I tie the lot and not necessarily tithe financially, but tithe my time. I've done 30 mm. years um, externally with youth, um, mm. passionate about eradicating teen suicide. Um, our kids are dying. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, we have a responsibility to pay forward our knowledge. If we've done the work and we've transformed in our own way, then we have a responsibility. So I believe people who have the it factor or charisma or are mm. in that genre, um, they've done the work, and they know that they have a responsibility which is part of their legacy, to be able to pay forward and make a difference for others.
0: Yeah. And they're just out there doing that too, isn't it? It's not really a chore because you can you know that you know through the lessons that you've learned and the insights, it's going to impact uh other people and that's just it ties in as you said to the legacy too let's talk about number nine has done their time in the trenches You we've spoken about that isn't it someone who's been there and done that and can own who they are now and what they have experienced yeah i love this one and it's owning from a place of you know what been there and done that not from arrogance i think it's a level of confidence it just comes through having those experiences. Love mm. your thoughts on this one.
1: Mm. It saddens me, really, um, mm. especially people who are in senior levels of leadership. Uh, we did touch on it before where there is a level of arrogance where mm. um, they're beyond uh, having to look at themselves and that mm. uh, come in and do it for my people but not myself. Mm. And um, the time in the trenches, uh, that's where you get your um, Uh, I call them doctorates (laughs) Mm. Um, and usually they're not just from the good things that happen in life. Yeah. Mm. Um, And being a mentor, I think is one of the, I mean, coaching and mentoring, I think are two of the most priceless vocations on the planet. Mm. And um, I think we all have a responsibility to do the work um mm. and ongoingly do the work uh until you uh until you take your last breath mm. um obviously it's different for me because i am somebody who's in the transformation game banging the tambourine at somebody who's not interested in at transformation you know it's not gonna mm. it's not gonna gel uh, so talking about alignment I was um, coaching some people some years ago, and she was into conscious consumerism and wanted mm. to make a bigger impact, and the other woman was into a uh, health nut. I said, here's the deal. If you try and sell me anything of a health-related nature, it's not going to land for me because I'm sorry, but health is not in my top three values. I know that's mm. shocking, but it's not. <laughs> um, and But if you understand what my values are and you get into alignment with my values, um you have to have done the work in understanding and reading uh, the congruency of who you're talking to. I, for years, banged the tambourine on transformation to people who had their radios off. That was a hard learning curve. Until I understood, spend some time, shut up, and actually listen to the other person, understand what their values are, and whatever it is that you're selling, then um, match the congruency with their value set. Just don't assume, because transformation Sally Anderson thing that everybody's going to be into mm. transformation. So not the case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had to learn weather. I learned weather, weather conversations, surface conversations, mm. um, rather than kind of like, you know, deep diving. Diving
0: straight into yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The small talk.
1: <laughs> and, you know, when you've yeah. done the work, you have an ability to be able to mm. s- spend far more time focusing on somebody else than focusing on yourself. On what yes. you think and how you feel, am I offering value? And do they like me? And <laughs> um, it's not about you. It's just not about you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so huge advocate for doing the work for the many, many things that uh, one can benefit from.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, loves passionately and has surrendered to their calling. It's kind of you, you mentioned that earlier, or um, lives passionately, not loves. My glasses need to be cleaned. Think. Do you think? Um, I mean, when I think about the the word calling or purpose, there are, there are many coaches and, and people who help people and, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. Do you find that conversations even with leaders, they wouldn't really know what their purpose is? They're just doing what they're doing? I'd love your thoughts on this. Does that make sense even?
1: Yeah. So my issue is it's all very well to go from I don't know what it is to then mm. I what it is. But there's a huge transition to then uh knowing how to transition into living that as a way of it yeah yeah? and that to do that again sorry to keep harping back to it but it comes back to that default identity yeah Mm. if you haven't done the work on all of your beliefs that you've got going on and if you haven't done the work on what's ever unhealed in your life and you're trying to surrender to your calling and live your purpose ain't going to cut it you know Mm. just um so that is that is integral to that transitionary piece And then there's a fourth piece. So there's you don't know, right? And then you Mm. find out and then you transition into it. Then you're going to come up with (laughs) all the things that you never saw before, all the belief in value comes up because now you're actually going beyond what's familiar for you. And Mm. then how do we sustain it? Yeah? Yeah. There's many reasons to get off the court. Because a lot of people don't want to be judged, assessed and criticised. They're doing enough of that to themselves. Mm. Um, so, yes, are there a lot of coaches out there that teach you, you know, how to find your purpose and how to find your legacy? And I'm not discrediting that. I think it's mm. hugely important to actually understand what it is. It's a whole different ball game to actually learn how to surrender to it. And, mm. and in my, my experience, if you don't surrender to it, depending on what you're here doing on the planet, that Mack truck will come. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Beware the mat. Truck. If there's some noise going out there, beware because the mat truck's coming. And I and I think we especially look, I think especially the people that we're speaking to today, you know, they're people who have lived a journey and overcome challenges and have had learnings through that that they can now impart with others. You're going to stand up and share and step on some people's toes, and I think you've got to be, you know, not maybe not comfortable with it, but okay, and be able to deal with that. You know what I mean? Because otherwise... Otherwise, the minute someone that that does come out and start to kind of question you, and you've got that inner critic mm-hmm. that's telling you as well, who's going to want to listen to you, and how are you going to validate that, as well as the external voices, you are just going to shrink back, and you're not. No one's going to be able to see you own your presence and and step up and talk about something that your entire life has been preparing for you
1: to share. Well, I can talk from a lot of experience. <laughs> People either love me or they hate me, right? And that also is a function of showing up, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, you know, Trump's a really good example. For all the wise in yeah. the workforce, you've either got people yeah. who really, really love him or really, really hate him. It's a yes. function of showing up. So the only the two main things that I've learned, because my area is how to sustain, it's not just showing up, but how do you sustain it. Yeah. Uh, that's key for me. So two things that I learned. I create a model for everything. <laughs> so one of uh, the congruency with your values. If you're being judged and criticized and made wrong and um, it's incongruent to who you know yourself to be, mm. if you're living and walking your values, you can sleep well at night. Mm. There's no need for retaliation. There's no need for response. You don't engage with something of a default-based nature because that is not going to forward the game. Mm. That's the first thing. So value alignment is critical with reference to showing up above the parapet and sustaining showing up in the, above the parapet. So regardless of the what occurs externally, always, you know, with you as the target, the ability to be able to transition that and sustain has a lot to do with, and this might been my only way of being able to deal with my own external critics, is the ability that I know that I walk my balance. So that's the first thing. And second thing is judgment equals mastery of compassion. <laughs> I love it. I'll say it again, judgment equals mastery of compassion. I needed to find a solution to deal with the level of judgment that I was receiving, the more that I shoot, showed up in the world. And so the context is, what must it be like in the shoes of those who are judging? Mm-hmm. And being really present to, because if it's, it might, you might be the target, like, you know, my corporate background, um, shutting down multi-billion dollar projects, you were never popular because, you know, you're making thousands mm-hmm. of people redundant. You know, you were personally attacked a lot of the time, you know, <laughs> great training, um, how do you remain equanimous? How do you remain silent? How do you remain calm in the face of that type of dynamic going on, which is where a lot of my training came from? So in the context of judgment equals mastery of compassion, when you can remove the what is being said to you and actually get present to, oh my God, what must it be like mm-hmm. in their shoes that they hate me to that degree? Or that they're accusing me of that to that degree. Then it, then you're removed from the equation, Mm -hmm. and you're actually able to learn. Because the more you do that, the more that I'm going to master compassion. Because my fundamental value is love. Mm -hmm. I've already died and come back of my own accord, and that's another conversation, another time. Um, So I understand what it's like to walk strong in these shoes when you've experienced that level of adversity. So when you are being verbally attacked on whatever level with whatever. And being able to have compassion for what it must be like for that party, what's going on in their world that they have to project onto you to that degree, then it's not mm-hmm. about you. It's yeah, not about you.
0: exactly. That is a huge lesson, I think, that if people can learn, it can be so... <laughs> you know they're not tied to to people's opinions you know and people are allowed to have their opinions and that's okay and really they have nothing to do with you i know my this particular story is nowhere near what you experienced but i remember someone um made a very nasty comment on on an ad that we had and i responded and i respond i always love to call out these people to a certain degree and turn it into a lesson for others as well and it was interesting because i was messaged by someone who'd seen this interaction and she and she said, oh, I hope you're all right. I said, Yeah, look, that's fine. I said, you know whatever whatever and she said you're right i said this person must have had a really sad childhood and she said yes i know this person from a young age i grew up with her and she has had traumatic experiences and that's how she would respond you know and um and i i did feel a level of almost sadness for her because i thought this is you know the response has got nothing to do with what i said or did but everything to do with her journey and what you call her default Mm -hmm. identity isn't it
1: you know, as much as we're talking about the it factor and, and, you know, owning your presence and charisma and all of that today, um, it's one of my bugbears, you know, that we always talk about the positive aspects of these types of things and even leadership. You know, how great it is, you know, the empowered leadership mm. and authentic leadership. Um, I'm interested in writing about the things that aren't so sexy, Yeah. Yeah. and owning your presence sometimes ain't sexy because you're going to yeah. get judged oh, they're mm. egoic, or I look at them, you know, they're trying to show off. I mean, you're never popular. Yeah. You, you yeah. The top poppy
0: syndrome. Oh, who does she think she is,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you can kind of like move beyond that and just know that it's part of the territory, yeah, uh, it does make you fairly re- resilient.
0: Yeah. yeah, it does. And you know what? That's we, I was talking about it with my daughter and a couple of her friends today when we were at the, um, not the gym, the um the training studio, to be careful what we say. And, um, you know, they were talking about people's opinions and things that were going on. And, you know, there are just some conversations that I just won't get into because at the end of the day, everyone's got different, as you said, you know, core values and meanings and, and life is experiences. And guess what? There are no wrongs or rights, but that which someone's bringing to the conversation and I often say I just don't have the energy to even begin and it's not really my area of of uh you know where I my stand for if you will my passion and stand for and so you just got to be okay with that and if people say something to you as well because if you don't that's going to feed into some of you got that inner critic and haven't kind of yet mastered to to disappear that, that inner critic and uh, you will spiral back down to what you say your default identity. Let's talk about what are we up to? Um, walks and talks congruent with their message. I think that's something that we've re- been really aligned to with something that we said earlier about your core values. If you say a message um, in your brand, but you're not walking that and not congruent, that is another way to really break, break trust, and certainly is not going to help you build that, you know, own that presence, is it?
1: Uh, I do a lot of work in the area of vision, mission, purpose, and core values. Vision is the what. Yeah. Mission is the how. Um, purpose, obviously, is the why. And your values are an opportunity to reinvent because it's about walking your values, just not knowing your values. Yeah. Um, and it's the combination of all of those: define, share, integrate, become. You define what your vision, mission, purpose, and core values are. You then go out and share it into the world, which is where oh my god, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you need to so, and so and so and so and so and so, and you find evidence to then integrate, to then become it. When you become your vision, to me that is in that area of self-actualization, where you've done mm. the work, where you've evolved into that higher level of consciousness, where you are operating at more of that equanimous realm, where you're able to be more of the observer. And it is really sage wisdom, and that really doesn't have to do with age, um, uh, a lot to do with experiences, in, in my in, just in my opinion. Um mm.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I'm just reading down the next one because I love all of these. It's so important. And, and we've said this too throughout, you have too, has done the work, heavily invested into their own personal and professional development. And let's face it, that never stops, does it? I mean, if I look back to what and who I was two or three years ago, remarkably different today. And I'm sure in two or three years, five years' time, I'll be remarkably different again. Mm. Um, and that's just something that we need to do, all of us, especially as leaders, isn't it? Mm.
1: Mm. Look, I get there's a lot of confusion out there. You know, what is doing the work? What does that actually mean? Uh, what is healing? Um, what should I do? Uh, what's So more education uh matching to the unique dynamics of what's going on for an individual so Mm. i look at um uh, psychotherapy or psychiatry um there is a time and a place for it but for some people it's a long process it's a deep process but it's a long Mm. process Um, counseling i have a bit of an issue because only the dysfunctional aspect of counseling due to um somebody dragging out their story for two five or ten years paying for the privilege of it Um, and I think that that's where healing gets a bad rap. Um, I don't want somebody to sit and psychoanalyze me. I honour anybody in the in the profession who deals with a human condition. Mm-hmm. Then you got your rah rah seminars, your short shot of euphoria, feeling great, back into same old, same old. A lot of those courses are designed for you to keep going back, mm-hmm. and uh, which is why I love what I do because I'm interested in doing deep work with people, but that they. they They experience it in a very fast fashion. Mm. Um, So in the context of this discussion around what is the work, there are a cross-section of modalities in the healing space. There are a cross-section of modalities in the coaching, mentoring uh, field. Uh, I think uh, most people, specifically in leadership, uh, given that's kind of like who we're talking about today, um, if they reach out to their network, you know, if they're ready to do the work and they reach out to their network and find out, Given how they occur and who they know within their network, then they can make recommendations. But you have to be ready. Mm. If you're not hungry mm. for it, it will never work. If you're doing it yeah. because you feel as though, or the company's paying, or you feel as though you have to, it ain't going to cut it mm. at all. Yeah,
0: so true. And you know what we were saying before, it's almost like, you know, um, if I can use the the analogy of, you know, when you're doing professional development, you're working on yourselves, things that would trigger, you, you almost clean the lens, you're starting to see things and experiences through a new, fresher lens. So it doesn't automatically trigger you so that you respond or react in a way that's not really, you know, the, the best use of your time for sure, but it, it's just going to cause more tension and, and yeah. often conflict in the workplace, you know, because the the conversation, and, and yet sometimes to t- take a step back and then have a look, well, look, we're both working towards the same thing. It's just that your approach is slightly different. Let's see if we can work together. Anyway, um, such a, a deep, deep topic that we could probably spend all day talking about, <laughs> I um, but I know here. you've got to go from A walk, but let's. Sorry, did you want to say something
1: there, Sally? Yeah, I do think that, and this is a global thing, there is Mm -hmm. a a particular listening of uh, a negative listening of coaching. Like, it's weak if I get somebody to coach me, depending on the industry. Mm -hmm. Obviously, sports people have coaches, so obviously, that's viewed as something um, from a, a fashionable perspective. And I think it's slowly changing that Mm -hmm. it's not about viewing it as a weakness. It's your biggest strength. It's not that you're damaged. It's not that something needs to be fixed. It's about you celebrating what you know and what you don't know and how you can evolve even to being the better version of yourself. It's all perspective Mm -hmm. on how you look at it. The types of people that I coach usually want a high level of discretion. They don't generally want Mm -hmm. anybody to know that they're being coached given who they are, and Mm -hmm. I respect that. Um, And, you know, I've worked through my egoic issues as far as, you know, that's concerned. Um, I think it's important to actually, it's not about fixing anything. It's not about... yeah, there's nothing wrong no, with it. It's
0: being the better vision. I mean, yeah. let, let's look at cars. We we take them in for yeah. servicing. Yeah. And let's face it, when you look at our, our the filters in our mind and everything that we just pick up, there's certain stuff that we want to be able to process and look differently. And sometimes, you know, when you're working with a coach, and I'm sure we've all had those great coaches who all of a sudden they might just with one with one look and, you know, yeah, I'm doing it again, okay, and then so, slowly for some of us, more 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 quickly, you learn and you almost give yourself that same look. I I think coaching. Why not? I mean, if sports people, top sports people are doing it, there's a reason why they're investing um, through hiring coaches, and that's because they're going to be, you know, they they'll achieve their goals far quicker. Um, you you t- you're, you're talking to the uh, the converted. So Pix is here too. What has she said here? She said, no matter who or what you are, what or who you are, you will always get judged, and you know what? That's fine. People will always have an opinion of you and that's their they're right and that's none of my business what people think of me um gosh but just make sure it's nice don't don't (laughs) don't be pulling anything because i'm just not going to read it okay um okay what are we up to number 13 has learned the priceless art of mediation. My glasses understands the importance of breath, uh, connection, and oneness. Speak a bit more about this. I can imagine you speaking to a group of of uh, CEOs and executives about
1: breath, breath, and
0: oneness. How does that go down?
1: Uh, not quite. Um, so meditation. So I've been okay. Um, yep. So I've been an advocate of meditation for over thirty years. Uh, studied with um, some extraordinary um, people over the years in a lot of different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel as I've gone full circle, because obviously there's many different uh, practices and ways of uh, doing meditation, being in the experience of meditation, uh, I believe meditation comes down to one thing, and that is oneness of the breath. Mm-hmm. Um because we live in such a disconnected society with uh, the way technology, technology has been a fantastic thing, but it definitely has created a lot of disconnection. Mm. So the irony of COVID-19 has uh, actually the disconnection created connection. Go figure. Mm. And uh, in the context of what we're talking about today, uh, it was actually something that I was going to finish with if we didn't touch on it. Meditation is the number one thing. So if with any of your listeners who have, who are wanting to improve their ability to own their presence and their charisma and how they show up in the world and become more of that attractive factor. Mm. The number one thing more than anything is your ability to learn how to get out of the monkey mind, Mm. how to silence the monkey mind. Now, when you can, uh, if you're new to meditation, then obviously having an experience of that oneness of being may just sound like words, but that first moment when you, have that connection and you're able to sustain that connection and you're able to access that connection, um, you can't describe it. It's unquantifiable. Mm -hmm. And it's in that realm, the co-creative realm, where uh, the unfathomable becomes fathomable. Mm -hmm. Um, So, And I'm not undermining how frustrating the meditation journey is uh, because I had a very active mind. Um, Mm -hmm. But the journey, uh, nevertheless, is uh, one of the most profound and and that may be in, a different for different people. Uh, mm. It's not one process applies to all. I've done all the chants. I've done all the processes. I've done, you know, and now I never meditate with music. I just silence is I've come full circle mm. to back to the breath and back to silence. As far as leadership is concerned, uh, yeah. I stay in my lane, but I'm interested in bringing in practitioners who are, trained in that area to be able to train leaders on how to get out of their heads, uh, mm-hmm. access being the state of leadership versus doing leadership. Uh, who you are, you know, when you are when you do things from a doing the state, you're disconnected, struggle, stress, anxiety, mm-hmm. pressure, overwhelm. When you do something from being the state, uh, that is when you, you become uh, at one with uh, peace, flow, mm-hmm. zone. Yeah. Synchronistic opportunities come to you as a function of who you're being, a bit like the leaf on the river. You know, when it Mm -hmm. reaches an obstacle, it doesn't have a pissy fit, it just kind of like rises above the obstacle, Mm -hmm. you know, in that oneness of being. So, meditation, um, of anything that we're talking about today, um, massive advocate, um, yeah. And, uh, you yeah, can't recommend it high enough.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Okay, operates at a high level of consciousness, taps into their ability to being the observer. How well are we at being the observer?
1: Uh, not well at all. Um, mm. that's why Can I'm you
0: explain? Interested. what For people who have been the observer, what, what do you mean by that?
1: Mm. So if we are to entertain that all of human suffering is a function of what we make things mean, you need to be aware of where you operate. Mm. Um, being the observer is where equanimity comes in becoming equanimous living and leading an equanimous life means Mm. to be able to observe what's going on and not be impacted by it that's Mm. not being disconnected that's not shutting down that's just you're operating at a high level of awareness where you have realized that anything that is occurring is occurring Right. It's not mm-hmm. how it the angst comes when, well, it shouldn't be like that, or they shouldn't have said that or when you're resisting what is. So equanimity is the ability to be with what is with rather than how it could have been, should have been, wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And you're just serving that. I've um, put many people off depression, drugs, many people who are suicidal. It's not my target market, but it's come with the territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm interested in people. Uh, uh, there's a big difference between what happened versus what you made it mean about what happened very mm. very different so when you can just be the observer train yourself to be the observer of what's occurring versus you know go into that whole yeah jumping um, in there yeah the meaning yeah. aspect that is where the refinement comes so yeah. meditation obviously helps with that learning to be the observer of your breath being at one with the breath there's a thought allow the thought to be the thought will allow you to be come back to the breath training yourself to bring yourself back to the breath that also is a high training with reference to being the observer of what's going Mm -hmm. on, being able to discipline yourself to know what your, where your thoughts are focused. Um, One of my mantras is think, do say, be forward the game. You got to know what your game is. You got to know what you're motivated by. You got to know what you're committed. Mm -hmm. to. So is what I'm thinking forward in the game? If it's not, I don't think it is what I'm saying forward in the game. If it's not, I don't say it is what I'm doing forward in the game. If it's not, I don't do it. And in who I'm being generally at 24 seven is that yeah. forward in the game? If it's not, I'm not going to be that. So, yeah. again, it comes back to that congruency piece.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to remember exactly. I'm going to have to replay Sally and what you just said right now about being the observer and just sitting the next time I'm watching the news because I turn into someone mm-hmm. that my, my family will turn the news off, mum's going to go mm-hmm. off, you know, it's certain it's a bit of a family joke, but there you go. Some, there's some instances where, and, again, that's the things that you speak up against. If you're passionate about them, what pees you off often um, is the, what you're passionate about, the message that you want to share. So, okay, uh, let's have a look. We have t- Hopped the number fourteen. Now we're up to fifteen. The last one understands well. This is what you're talking about. What it means to live and lead equanimous life. I had to actually look up that word equanimous to, um, but just share a little bit more once more what that means because I think that this once someone's able to achieve that, or at least be aware of it, um, it can be actually
1: quite a funny story. Uh, So there's a, a meditational retreat called Vipassana. And uh, Vipassana is all around the world, and it's actually training Westerners on how to meditate. Uh, so the one that I went on was a 10-day silence retreat, so you're not allowed to talk, no eye contact for 10, 10 days. And Are you serious? Hours. So wow. 12, the kicker is 12 hours of meditation every day. Um, now, for a Westerner, for 10 days, no communication, no eye contact, and 12 hours meditation every day. People go mad.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm an introvert, maybe for one day, but then it's kind of, I at least don't want to look at someone.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, funnily enough, we're, we're very similar at the Anne Marie. I'm actually an introvert, but I've trained myself to be an extrovert. Yeah. Most people don't know that. People think I'm an extrovert. Oh, hell, hell no. I can be a hermit quite easily. Quite easily. Yeah. Anyway, in the middle, I think it was about day six. And, um, you know, for a Westerner to do that, it takes something. Um, mm. It changed my life, by the way. But anyway. Um, silence changed my life, uh, for 10 days. But on day six, they have what's called discourse at the night time, and Goenka is the founder of this particular type of, um, meditation. And they had, uh, so you're listening to these, um, recordings of Goenka, the founder, and, uh, he would say, um... Remain equanimous. Remain equanimous from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Remain equanimous. You wanted to shove that CD down the guy's throat, I tell you. You know because you're in the middle of this process, and you're just going, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. You know? And and it was repetitive. You know, remain equanimous. And I was so not equanimous at the time. I can tell you that for free.
0: By the time that was yeah. all yeah. the five days before, it gone yeah. out yeah. the window.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, it's actually part of the training. Um, to surrender and actually, you know, finally get out the other side. But it was in that course that I became fascinated about um, exploring uh, the whole art of equanimity more. And so I've brought that into the leadership realm. So nobody else on the planet is talking about equanimous leadership. And yet I think it is integral uh, as we evolve in uh, the future of where leaders operate. Uh, to learn the art of equanimity, um, that ability to be the observer, the ability to not react, the ability to know how not to react and then what to do in the face of it's not ignoring it. But there's just something coming back to that unquantifiable factor of the it factor, the charisma, that person who owns their presence is actually in an equanimous state. And they're able to, there's just something different. I, I often have people say to me, you know, There's just something about you. I can't put my finger on it, yeah? Um, And I believe that's because I don't hang out in my human form, which might sound a bit esoteric on today's, but it's true, yeah? Yeah. Training leaders on how to – being human is all too hard in that human doing versus human being. Um, And that's what I love, you know, the the human being state – There is so much, it is an endless journey to evolve to higher levels of a consciousness and being able to provide that in the corporate arena is a hoot.
0: Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I think my battery's just about running out. So um, and we've been talking for, my goodness, this has been a long interview, but I think so worth the, the, the time spent because once, as we said, once people understand this, um, and it's about awareness, isn't it? Well, now you, we know better. Now we know what we need to be able to to achieve, and now we can set forth taking the steps to be able to do that. Sally, how can people contact you? How can they connect with you? What's the best way?
1: Cool. So uh, the only social media conduit that I use is LinkedIn. Uh, so from a value exchange perspective, I write articles on a weekly basis on le- leadership and mindset. Uh, so it's a free resource, so feel free to go and delve into that. Uh, I did a, a presentation recently on a Superhuman Summit. Um, so if people wanting to go and have a look at that presentation to actually get a different take on uh, co-creative leadership specifically. Uh, my bio obviously is on LinkedIn. Uh, my email address is sallyjeananderson gmail.com If people want to approach me directly, and uh, for a free consultation, if people are wanting to dance in a conversation to explore what could be possible, um, and I just wanted to acknowledge you today um, because it takes something to do the work that you do, uh, and. Uh, what we have, um, there's a lot of similarities, and I mean that as a compliment, uh, is uh, partnering people who are wanting to make a bigger difference on the planet, and being a facilitator for that is a profound privilege. So the God in me acknowledges the God in you today, and uh, I feel very grateful for the opportunity.
0: Oh, me too. I mean, it's, a, it's such an honor. And, you know, one of the things I love about this and being able to, uh, to hang out with thought leaders such as yourself, you always learn. You're always learning, aren't you? You always are learning. And uh, I know that people who have listened today and watched today are certainly um, for the better as well of, of hanging out with us and hanging out with you and hearing you share your expertise. So thanks once again for coming on the show.
1: You're welcome. And I'm going to be my word for another day and get my butt out there and the <laughs> get, get walking.
0: Absolutely. All right. Bye for now, Sally. Sure. See you thanks, later. Bye. You've been listening to Industry Thought Leader Podcast, brought to you by Industry Thought Leader Academy. Stand out, be heard, influence. Want to stand out, be heard, and become an influential voice in your industry? Access our free five-day money, marketing, and mindset boost masterclass. Go to www.industrythoughtleaderacademy.com forward slash masterclass. That's industry thought com
1: forward slash master class.